as things evolved and we appreciated the, the myriad impact that uh, COVID was going to have on children and adolescents uh, in terms of psychological, emotional, educational health, in terms of physical health, in terms of obesity, just there's so many different impacts that I felt the need to just try to pull all this together, but just, you know, highlight the, the various things that pediatricians need to be mindful of. Welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle, and today our special guest is Dr. Andrew Addisman. He is the Chief of Developmental and Behavioral Pediatrics at Northwell Health. Doctor, we are now have authorization for children 12 to 15 to get their vaccines. Um, it's been a long road. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but still COVID has a lot of effects on children that we still don't know yet. And we're seeing a lot of long-term effects. Tell us what uh, you're looking at in, in behavioral and developmental for children now who kind of lost a year of their lives. Well, having the vaccines is very exciting. And I think it's, you know, it's further proof that, you know, the worst is behind us. But COVID, as you've said, you know, has taken a toll in terms of children, both in terms of their physical health in various regards, as well as their mental and emotional health. Um, you know, the impact in terms of school, in terms of social relationships, um, in terms of mood, uh, family function, you know, there's a broad array of consequences from COVID. And although death rates are going down, we know that uh, that there's still been a tremendous impact in terms of children. Yeah, there's so much trauma involved with COVID. The, the news, it's scary. The, the fact that maybe some children might have lost a grandparent or somebody, or just the fact that they couldn't see their grandparents maybe for a year. Do we know all the effects of the, the negative effects of COVID or is this something we're going to be finding out over the years? Uh, definitely the latter. You know, the reality is, you know, we've know, we know that it's taken a toll. We know that it's, you know, taken a toll in terms of educational functioning of kids, in terms of social relationships, uh, in terms of from a developmental standpoint. Uh, so there's many ways in which we know that the that, you know, the COVID pandemic has impacted children on the one hand, but at the same time, we also don't know the full scope of it because realistically, this is still evolving. And and although we'd love to believe and, and hope that, you know, the worst is behind us, we still can't be 100% sure about that either. What is your advice to parents? What should they look for in their children? What kind of changes or what, what, what are some of the telltale signs that maybe something's not right? Well, you know, uh, children at different age, you know, children are, in general, we think of children as being very resilient. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and, you know, children are great typically at adapting and adjusting uh, to a variety of cha changes. However, I mean, this has been a profoundly disruptive uh, 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 factor in terms of our society. Uh, we've had nothing like this in my lifetime. And the reality is the toll that it's taking is broad. I think, you know, for parents in terms of what they need to be mindful of, uh, it's going to vary a little bit in terms of the age of the child. You know, younger children, you might see more clinginess. You might see some separation anxiety. You might see possibly developmental regression. Um, you know, conversely, you know, with older kids, you know, we would worry about uh, moodiness and irritability. We would worry about withdrawal, uh, social isolation. Uh, there can be certainly stresses as it relates to school because virtual learning, although we're in a much better place than now than we were, let's say, a year ago, uh, it's still not where we'd want it to be, and it has taken a toll educationally. So, but I think that you know, moodiness, irritability, withdrawal, sadness, uh, social 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 isolation—you know, those would all be 
things that we would be uh, worried about. Um, and then certainly for kids who have either developmental issues that might have gone unrecognized if they haven't been to a pediatrician or kids uh, possibly even not being in school or even in a preschool, um, you know, it's obviously taken a toll on households and, and there's concerns about, you know, child welfare as well in, in terms of kids who are not being seen by the usual safety net for children. Yeah. You know, kids tend to keep things inside a lot of times and we don't really know what they're thinking or feeling. And it could be something that's bothering them that maybe like parent, a parent lost a job that can weigh heavy on a child. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, you know, the psychosocial stress within the home, uh, you know, it can lead to more parents, uh, stress for the parents. It could lead to stress for the children um, and even concerns about safety and welfare. You have multi-generational households where children can worry about, you know, them posing a threat in terms of the safety and well-being uh, of uh, other family or household members. Um, you have financial strain that can uh, lead to shorter fuses. Um, you know, uh, there can be issues just even in terms of food scarcity or food insecurity. Um, two of the things, believe it or not, that we've seen on the one hand, we've seen an increase in obesity because people are not making healthier choices. On the other hand, there's also concerns about inadequate food in some households. And, and sometimes we take so much for granted, or, you know, we know now with you know, COVID that we've taken so much for granted in terms of the way society has functioned. And then COVID basically has pulled the rug out from under us. And so, you know, parents need to be mindful in the very many different ways uh, that there can be an impact, whether it be in terms of uh, families that are having financial strain, parents who have lost their job, households or families where there's been a loss of a loved one, um, and then also the social isolation that's come with virtual learning and, and some of the lockdowns that you know we've lived through for the past year. Yeah. What is your advice to parents as far as like just every day or not knowing like is it important for parents maybe to spend a little bit more time just talking to their children? Uh, the answer is absolutely yes. <clears throat> you know, I think parents want to give children, you know, a voice, um, listen to, you know, how they're doing, uh, try to facilitate. I think it's going to become easier now with the warmer weather and, and with uh, relaxed masking expectations and progressive returns to normal, whether it be summer camp and summer activities and team sports. So kids, there, there will be a progressive getting back to normal. Uh, and I think that this is wonderful for children in terms of just getting, you know, the activity out of their system, letting them, you know, see and spend time with their friends. Um, and I think that'll be wonderful. But, but for parents who are concerned, you know, kids who have become less interested in activities, less interested in friends, kids who are just withdrawing, kids who are spending too much time on the computer or their video games or in their room, you know, parents really need to try to engage them. And, and if they have concerns, they can reach out to their pediatrician or primary care provider, and even a telehealth visit if for any reason uh, they're not comfortable, you know, making or not able to, you know, visit with the pediatrician, telehealth consults can be helpful. And one of the nice things, you know, one of the silver linings of COVID is that it's really sort of liberated uh, or and transformed the ability to provide uh, healthcare digitally. And so families don't have to take, you know, lose a day at work. Children don't miss a day of school. And, and you know, from the comfort of their home, they can speak with um, a pediatrician or other child care professional. Yeah. Are pediatricians now kind of changing their playbook a little bit? Like when, you know, when a, when a child comes in for an exam or, you know, are there different questions being asked now? And, and what can pediatricians really do to kind of help? Uh, pediatricians uh, are expected to do, for example, suicide screening when, when there's concerns with, you know, older uh, patients. Uh, suicide is the second leading cause of death among teenagers. And so you really need to be uh, vigilant in terms of concerns about depression and withdrawal, and we've, withdrawal and we've talked about that. 
Uh, pediatricians can also obviously be a prime source in terms of identifying resources and uh, referral networks uh, for mental health services and supports. Um, and schools also can play an important role. And again, that's another reason why we'd love to get kids back in school. Lots of schools, unfortunately, you know, are still through the end of this school year having a sort of a hybrid or virtual model. And so kids don't necessarily have the same access to, uh, you know, some of the resources, guidance counselors, for example, in a school setting that can also provide another safety net or, or support for troubled children. One of the other things that, that people don't really like to talk about, and you've written a couple of papers about that, is child abuse. And there seems to be a little bit of a spike in child abuse just because maybe the stress around all of this, uh, what's going on there and what should people look for? Well, you know, certainly when kids have been home all through the, you know, a year ago when, when the whole country was basically shut down, um, a lot of the safety nets um, for children and children's safety uh, were taken away. So, you know, teachers weren't seeing children, doctors weren't seeing children. And so then there was a marked drop in the number of cases of uh, child maltreatment identified in terms of either neglect or abuse. Uh, at the same time, you know, uh, because of unemployment or people working from home, children, uh, some children were, you know, more commonly under the watch of their parents. Uh, there was another adult in the house. And so that's been in some ways a safety net. So the fact that, you know, parents uh, may be home more in terms of, you know, safeguarding their children, um, that's been a positive. Uh, but we know that there have been decreased number of reports, whether the incidence has actually gone up. It's a little bit controversial, but but certainly financial strain emotional stress, uh, people just, you know, being con uh, confined to the home for hours and hours and on end, trying to balance uh, possibly work and parenting uh, can all take a toll on some families. And so there's been concerns about increased rates of child abuse. What happened that made you pursue these papers? Well, when COVID first hit, you know, in the lockdown, uh, we were looking at the impact, you know, most profoundly as it relates to child abuse reports. And so we had a paper that, come out, that came out in the journal Child Abuse and Neglect that documented, you know, the profound drop uh, in reports. But I think that, you know, as things evolved and we appreciated the, the myriad impact that uh, COVID was going to have on children and adolescents uh, in terms of psychological, emotional, educational health, in terms of physical health, in terms of obesity, just there's so many different impacts that I felt the need to just try to pull all this together, uh, admittedly with a, an evolving picture, but just you know highlight the the various things that pediatricians need to be mindful of. And so that paper is going to be published in Current Opinion in Pediatrics. Yeah, and you would think that maybe bullying would go down because kids aren't in school, but I guess a lot of bullying happens over social media. Well, kids are spending a tremendous amount of time on their computers. You know, obviously, virtual learning has put them in front of their computers, but they also have more time in terms of whether it be uh, their phone or, or the computer. And so cyberbullying is a real problem. And unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily go away. And to some extent, uh, what COVID has done, because people are now, you know, basically either FaceTiming or having the image of where they live, uh, there can be ridiculing of kids. You know, there's been uh, some of the inherent disparities in terms of wealth. Uh, it's taken a toll in terms of COVID, in terms of Wi-Fi and, and sort of a virtual or digital divide. But in some cases, it can also just be embarrassing or stigmatizing to a child if uh, if kids get to see, you know, that some children aren't uh, fortunate enough to live in as favorable a home environment as others. And so that's also been an issue. So, Doctor, what is... Cohen Children's Medical Center doing to help parents and children through this time? 
Well, obviously, its network of pediatricians are available to counsel families in terms of risks, provide information about vaccines, and hopefully very soon and progressively help administer vaccines to children. For parents that have concerns about their child's behavioral health, uh, mental health, we, you know, we've talked about suicide, anxiety, things like that. If there's an urgent problem, if there's an urgent problem, uh, the Children's Hospital has created a walk-in center for evaluation. They have this Pediatric Behavioral Health Urgent Care Center. Uh, parents uh, can walk in uh, during the day uh, just into the lobby and, and register on site if they want to call ahead and sort of get a reservation slot time-wise. Uh, the phone number for that would be 718-470-3148. Uh, this is not for emergencies. If there's an emergency, uh, then they can obviously go to any emergency room, including Cone Children's Medical Center. Um, and for things that are less urgent, then they should reach out to their pediatrician. So, so will things maybe get easier uh, for vaccinating young people if pediatricians are able to administer the shot? I remember when, you know, going to a pediatrician visit with my daughter, not thinking about the flu shot, but the pediatrician saying, hey, you know, we have the flu shot now and it's about time to get it. Would you like to get it for your daughter? And of course, yes, give it to her. So would that be something that's helpful when pediatricians offices start getting the vaccines also to help deliver it to children? Uh, pediatricians will definitely uh, soon be able to administer the vaccines if they're not already. Uh, and as we have more vaccine options for younger kids or kids progressively. So right now, again, we have Pfizer for 12 to 15. We're going to have Moderna soon. And then in the months ahead, we'll have younger children as well. And pediatricians will be one of many places where kids can get vaccinated. Um, the intent also is, you know, uh, pharmacies, chain pharmacies will be providing vaccines. And although uh, getting it through their pediatrician as part of an annual health assessment uh, is wonderful. I don't know that we really want to wait for someone to have, who's got an April birthday, wait for the next April to come around for them to show up at the doctor's office. I think we really want to push for you know, children getting vaccinated as soon as possible you know, once they're available. And, and the good news here is we don't seem to have shortages. The rollout's going to be progressive. You know, we're, we're many of the sort of initial hurdles you know, were sort of passed. Um, and... There are storage issues. So, you know, the pediatrician, I'm sorry, the vaccines have a somewhat shorter uh, half-life if they're just sure. being kept in a regular refrigerator. They don't have those super cold refrigerators. Uh, they're in the process of developing vaccines. They're going to have much uh, longer uh, storage uh, life uh, in terms of, I believe, Pfizer or Moderna. And obviously, we have the J&J &J vaccine as well, which doesn't have those same storage requirements. So I think that um, the reality is feasibility and accessibility is going to dramatically improve and pediatricians who typically are trusted health sources will be in a position to both counsel families and provide the vaccine. Yeah, that's great. I, I was um, talking to a 16-year-old a who was one of the first ones to get the vaccine. And I asked her, I said, why did you want to get, why was it so important for you to be one of the first people to get the vaccine? And she said, I just wanted to get back to life. I want to be able to go to the movies. I want to be able to go to the park. I want to be able to hang out with my friends. And it seems so simple, but it's so important. Yeah. Well, uh, it's important. You know, it's making a statement. Uh, it sounds like, you know, she's coming from a vaccine-friendly household. Um, but, but you know, the more kids that are vaccinated, the more that we can feel comfortable with kids, you know, interacting. And uh, I think that we're going to see a steady progression of uh, relaxing of, you know, mask mandates, you know, coming from the CDC. The CDC, you know, put out some guidelines around summer camps. They were criticized a little bit for perhaps being too cautious. But I think in, if not the weeks, then certainly the next few months, we're going to see progressive relaxing about that as more and more kids get vaccinated. Hopefully, uh, a greater percentage of the adults continue to get vaccinated. And um, 
we're just in, hopefully just in a much better place, assuming there aren't any other bumps in the road, either in terms of distribution or variants and things like that. We have a segment called Up at Night. What is some of the things like throughout this whole pandemic, what are some of the things that bother you the most? What is something that maybe keeps you up at night? Well, I think that, you know, what healthcare, public health uh, officials um, and physicians worry about is the potential for variants. You know, fortunately, you know, the variants uh, that have mostly evolved uh, have been, there's uh, uh, protection from the vaccines. Uh, the, the quicker we can get to herd immunity, the quicker we can hope to just reduce transmission of, of the COVID virus, then the more quickly we can sort of put this concern about variants to rest. You know, the, the, the reality is at some point, there could be a variant that the vaccine is not going to protect against. And so I think that what we, that's one of the compelling arguments is to for vaccination is so that we can try to keep and protect, uh, you know, maintain protection from the vaccines and protect the public and, and not have to worry so much about, you know, variants coming about that are going to pose a greater risk. Right. So I guess um, in a lot of this, it's just parents being aware. Parents don't want to be helicopter parents. How do parents ba balance talking to their kids, asking the right questions, but not being overbearing? Uh, that's always a, a tough balance. And I think parents need to be sensitive to, on the one hand, for older children respecting their privacy, but at the same time, you know, having a presence, um, certainly in uh, a more perfect world, you know, kids would be on their computers, not necessarily in the privacy of their bedroom with the door closed, but they'd be some monitoring or supervision to make sure that they're going to appropriate sites and to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. Kids, a lot of times, you know, they're supposed to be in school, virtual learning, and, and they're doing something else. Uh, certainly, kids are spending more time doing, you know, uh, video games. Interestingly, one of the minor but nonetheless important findings that seems to be coming out is that with all the screen time, that there's an increased incidence of nearsightedness. And so even something, you know, just all this time looking at screens, that kids may have greater difficulty and kids may need, end up needing glasses for distance vision. So, you know, I think that there's this whole cascade of health uh, consequences, the physical, uh, psychological, and emotional that we're still coming to terms with in terms of appreciating. Yeah. So maybe parents, I mean, some parents, I mean, I get excited sometimes when my daughter is on the computer because I feel like she's work, working, she's learning, she's, she's being educated, but maybe I should take a little time to say, hey, you need to get outside for, for a few minutes. You need to go take a walk. You need to just take your eyes off the screen. Uh, the answer is, yeah. I mean, fresh air is, uh, <laughs> is wonderful and you're not going to get a pediatrician to uh, ever uh, speak against, you know, kids going outside, getting some exercise and getting away from screen time. That's awesome. Well, we're almost out of time here on uh, 20 Minute Health Talk. We always like to end on a positive note. So what gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? Well, certainly the success with the vaccines has been tremendous. And the fact that uh, in the months ahead, we're going to be able to vaccinate more and more kids, starting with, you know, adolescents and then tweens and then, you know, grade school kids. And then ultimately, even preschool kids, uh, presumably, because that's where the research is going. So I think that that's going to help contribute to herd immunity. It's going to help children get back to a more normal uh, lifestyle. And I think that's really, really important. Kids are resilient in general. And I think that that's always important to, to, to note. Uh, we know that the educational impact has been real. We know the mental health impact is, uh, has been real. But we also know just in terms of, you know, daily lives and relaxing of constraints that, that, that things are better. You know, it's not just the light at the end of a distant tunnel, but we're starting to feel perceptibly uh, some of those changes. Uh, I'm hoping that come September, kids will be back in school. Um, and then I guess the other thing that's, as I mentioned earlier, that's been one of the blessings of COVID is sort of the introduction of telehealth. And hopefully... 
uh, it won't disappear when concerns about COVID disappear. You know, hopefully um, the systems in place will allow families to engage healthcare providers without necessarily taking off, missing a day of work, kids missing a day of school, et cetera. Awesome. Dr. Andrew Addisman, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week and stay safe. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.